0: The Black Talk Radio Network is made possible in part with help from the Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina-based nonprofit engaged in the production and distribution of independent digital black media. Find out more by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com or blacktalkmediaproject.org and look for the menu tab, Crowdfunding Black Media. Black Talk Media Project, helping to provide you with new black media for the new millennium.
1: Lift your eyes up, let your wise rise up See the signs of the times if it's time Rise up, rise up When death and hell dwell among all God's people When those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil When the feast that feeds you starves our father's children When snuff porn and
0: pedo forms begin to get top billing Rise up, when famine claims millions When justice...
1: Peace and welcome to New Abolitionist Radio, a program that seeks to educate, inform, and agitate on the issue of 21st century slavery. Hosted by social activist and spoken word poet Max Partis, with New Abolitionist and Actionist johann Elia and Black Talk Media Project founders, Hadi Reed. On this program, we discuss recent news on legalized 21st century slavery and human trafficking along with projects and people who have combat it. Today is June 29th. 2016, the anniversary month of New Abolitionist Radio. In 2015, over 1,200 people were killed by police. But in the land of the forgotten, called jails and prisons, where there is far less scrutiny, compassion, or concern, and rarely any cameras, that number of deaths is at least triple every year. Tonight, on New Abolitionist Radio, we welcome attorney Hussein A. Mohammed, founder of Warrior Law and CEO of Nation of Islam Lawyers and Law Students. Uh, Hussein A. Mohammed will be discussing the case of Darius Robertson's death inside a rural Oklahoma lockup, which has been ruled a homicide, but no one has been charged with killing him, as the prosecutor sits on the tape. Today... 35,000 people went to jail in America, most for crimes of poverty or nonviolent drug-related crimes. The vast majority of them are black and brown U.S. citizens. 14 of those arrested in jail today will never leave alive, and 95% who go from jail to prison will never see a trial. Stay tuned for more. We'll go through this week's collections of stories and articles and events from an abolitionist perspective. We'll discuss CCA and the recent articles from Mother Jones. One journalist spent four months on assignment inside CCA as a prison guard. What he saw and experienced is beyond unacceptable. We will also have CCA by the numbers, and we'll break some of those down for you. Last week, we told you about three senior New York Police Department police arrested for corruption. Today, it's the same story with three police chiefs in Oakland who are being charged in human trafficking. If you'd like to share a comment or question, just call us at one 715 3660. The access code is 549-032-POUND. Just press star six and one to queue up from the conference line. Our rider of the 21st century Underground Railroad Is Malcolm Jabbar Bryant 42 of Baltimore A man who has been in prison For about 18 years After he was convicted In the 1998 stabbing death Of a 16 year old girl He was released last month After new tests showed That DNA on the victim's t-shirt Did not match his Our abolitionist in profile Is Mary Ellen Pleasant 1814 to 1904 A conductor on the Underground Railroad Expect all of that And more tonight on New Abolitionist Radio. Once again, I'm Max Partis. What's happening, Brother Scotty Reed? How you doing today?
0: Peace, Max. Peace to you and abolitionists. And we got uh, also Johanna joining us.
1: Johanna's online too. Peace, Johanna. Peace, peace. Can y'all hear me? Yes, sir.
2: (laughs) Okay, right on. Good to be here, fellas. Good to be here.
1: Man, we've got, uh, again, a hell of a list this week to go over. We've got an an explosive guest coming in with the story that's being shared there about Brother Darius, uh, amazingly, again, caught uh, and arrested on nothing more than child support charges, crimes of poverty, again, that cost people their lives.
0: I mean, that's like where the state and Johan, I had to mute your line, man. We was getting live feedback when I don't, it doesn't happen when I speak, but when Max speaks, for some reason, it reverberates off of your line. Um, so I, I, I don't know how to solve that from my end, other than to see if using your mute when you're not speaking, see if that helps if you're on your headset. but um. Looking forward to, well, I shouldn't say again, looking forward because it's under sad circumstances a lot of times that we are speaking to guest speakers on this program. So it's not under, you know, a lot of times it's not celebrating some victory or something like that, but it's bringing attention to a problem and and usually a specific case when we have a speaker come on. So uh, we will be uh, speaking. I believe uh, we pronounced the sisters... um, Name is um, uh, I'm trying to remember because I did speak to her. Hassani A. Muhammad. Hassani, I believe is that's A. how A. you. A. Is. A. is it
1: Hassani? I may have been mispronouncing it yeah, too. You said okay, Hassani A. A. Muhammad.
0: Yeah, but she'll we'll, we'll, she'll correct us both. I'm sure, okay. <laughs> you know. So um, we'll be talking about Darius Robinson's death, and again, these are cases that are all over the country. I don't know the young man's name that was uh, the NAACP uh, was focusing on in in this uh, northern county here in North Carolina, but this young man was tased to death. Uh, electrocuted, they you know uh, corralled him into a jail. He was in a straitjacket jacket, and then doggone, t- just tased a man for about five, ten minutes, something like that. He, he ended up uh, dying, young black man, uh, in that jail. So these play out all over the country. Sandra Bland, you know uh, uh, these uh, jailhouse house murders and, and what have you. So. Um it'll be yeah. under um, you know, less than desirable conditions that uh, we speak to the sister tonight. Johanna, Brother let's say
1: is basically uh Walter Scott after the fact. If Walter Scott had made it to the jail, right. that would have been the same situation he did dealt with.
0: Right. And that's what, you know, I have argued child support laws, see the state constitutions and I think the um uh, the us constitution has uh, pro uh, has prohibited debtor's prisons they're not supposed to be putting you in prison because you can't pay a debt and in fact, that is what child they look at it as you owe that debt to that mother or to the state or both, you know, for whatever benefits or or you know. And, and people should take care of their take care of their children. But when you start putting people in jail for that debt that they owe, well, that goes against the whole ideal of prohibition of of debtors' prisons. I mean, if if I mean, what what's next? I mean, if you declare bankruptcy like many rich people do, should they go to jail? Should they you? You know what i'm saying because that's debt right yeah. they, they didn't pay so it amazes me
1: the logic that they just bypass i mean how the hell is it supposed to be okay to put people in jail for not being able to pay for child support state mandated right. child support at the same time knowing that the unemployment rate particularly in black communities is through the freaking roof so, it's almost as if you expect this to occur and it's set up in place for these people to be able to go to prison for those reasons. And what's their answer? Don't make children you can't uh, take care of. How about if somebody told your ass that? Because most of these people out here with these rich families and stuff don't take care of their kids either. They send them off to boarding school or something like that.
2: Yeah, the thing about it being with the debtors' prisons is, <clears throat> or, you know, that concept is they uh, actually will issue a warrant. For uh, you know contempt of court or civil contempt something you know to that of that nature where basically it's it's just like semantics the the judge is ordering you to show up in court and explain you know why you're not paying or you know or whatever so I think in some cases where people can make it to court repeatedly you know and keep keep facing the judge with these warrants that they'll keep issuing. Um, and trying to explain, you know, why you haven't found a job or why you don't have the money, I think that you can maybe keep going back and forth to court on that. But the thing that gets a lot of these people caught up that turn into these Walter Scott cases or this case like with this brother, you know, and people that actually get arrested is they will issue the warrant <clears throat> based on, you know, their finding that you haven't been paid. And then when you don't go to court, Maybe you don't have a car. Maybe you you know you are working, or you in another state, or different situation, different address, you know, whatever. All they got to do is issue the warrant, and then you know see you catch you some kind of way, and the going to jail part is is based on the contempt of court charge.
0: Yeah, that's what it is. They uh, you're in violation of the uh, court order. That's what they get. And in you.
1: Georgia, in the Constitution, that makes you a slave.
0: Right, contempt
2: of court. <laughs> yeah, as we read mm-hmm. the state constitution. Yeah, that's crazy. So, you know, like I said, semantics, as usual, just uh, finding any and every way. But, you know, the line in the sand is drawn between the believers, the abolitionists, the folks that understand what's going on, and then the other folks, you know, if it ain't me, it don't matter. It didn't happen to me, I don't know, I don't care You know, did, did all the other Excuses to turn another way and look Look away from the modern Day slavery situation and just another Another uh, tributary that leads to that, to that same end result Of you know, making slaves out of men
1: Speaking of looking away That was my uh, recipient Of the National F.U. Day Was uh, Thurgood Marshall Jr. An expert in looking away man who sat on the CCA Board of Directors for 15 years. You know, I went to look on their uh, Board of Directors website, as we've done before, which normally has his picture and biography on it, and it's down now. They don't have his picture up there anymore. I guess we caused too much fuss for that. But he's still working for them, as far as I know. Thurgood Marshall Jr., the son of fame attorney, uh, Thurgood well, Marshall. Well, he, before, he, uh, and he does Brown more. He does more.
0: He does more than just work for them. He's on the board of directors now. He come up with policy and strategy on how we can expand uh, slavery.
1: Mm, He's one of the deciders. You know, I got some good news in recently, if it pans out, but I recently uh, received my artist forms in order for my wife and I to go to Cuba and uh, go there as traveling artists uh, and abolitionists. And you know me, brother, I'm going to warn them about private prisons. Don't let them into Cuba no matter what you do. Don't even let one into Cuba because they're looking at Cuba now as prime real estate and a new place to start modern-day slavery where they could just start arresting people and throwing them into jails. So I'm going there with the warning to Cuba, uh, God willing, to not allow this to happen in their nation. Right on, man. Right on. Good job. Good job. Oh, Scotty, I enjoyed your national SU day meme, by the way, with Huey Newton. That was pretty cool. Particularly considering what's going on with Jesse Williams right now. That's why and I the posted it has been up.
0: That's that's why I posted it, Max, because I was hearing all this ridiculous. You know, I don't understand how some of this stuff ends up in my timeline. I guess it's family members of people I'm connected to and I'm seeing what they're posting, but you know, dudes, man, dudes sounding like women you know the stereotypical woman jealous because some you know other girl is getting more attention you know than you are and, and then missing the whole point that they ain't even a uh his skin color ain't got nothing to do with why he's getting this attention it's the th- words that he said so i was particularly you know just kind of um not surprised or anything like that because um um the system has gotten Black people to buy into this colorism, and you know, oh, his mom is white and he's half white. It don't matter if he live a black experience, you know what I'm saying, and how the system treats him and oh, he's white or he light skinned, so that's why I use the Huey Newton meme and like, oh, so you don't like. You know the light-skinned brothers now. You know, f you 2016. That's you know.
1: Yeah, I know, right? So um, and there's so many represented. I mean, Frederick Douglass was multiracial. Uh, uh, nah, you
0: no, know, I don't think Frederick don't think Douglass think was. At, at least he from, didn't look from, like
1: from it. the African continent. You know. <laughs> But there's so many of us out there who have fought and died beside our brothers and sisters, treated the same way. What they say in underground, it don't matter if you're in a house or in the plantation, you're still the same person.
0: Yeah, so that's what that meme was all about, man, you know, because, and we've heard it all through the years, some people think somehow mulatto uh Enslaved persons was treated better when, especially if they were females, that just made them more of a target for mm-hmm. rape. You know what I'm saying? For these white, these white uh, rapists like Thomas Jefferson and stuff. You know, they that that's what Sally Hemmings was. She, you know, her mother was a enslaved African. Her father was Thomas Jefferson's father-in-law his wife's father and he holds this woman you know and they try to portray it like a love affair you know and whatnot. but he's holding this woman as a sexual slave you know um, for her, the rest of her life so anyway that whole nonsense yeah. of colorism and you know and some conscious people um, kind of shot me too. I ain't gonna put him on the spot, but he be on TV sometimes. He been on Black Talk Radio and he was buying into that whole, you know, light skin versus team dark skin. And I'm like, dude, you should be aware enough to know that ain't nothing but a uh, tactic of the enemy to divide the oppressed, you know, to get victims at each other instead of focusing on the, the object of all our oppression.
1: Indeed. And you know, at one point, the uh, thing that white supremacists hated most wasn't necessarily Africans, it was multiracial. That was the thing that they hated the most, even to the point where Nixon used it as an excuse for abortion. We're saying that, I think the people would vote for it because what they will be voting for is the abortion of the little half-breed bastards. So for them, they were afraid that we would take over as inheritors of what they possess. Simply because we had connections to them uh, through our blood. Well, and also,
0: was huge, it still is a huge fear. But also, you know, I think um, I didn't always see eye to eye, or uh, with the theories of uh, Dr. Francis Welsing, But I think she was dead on point, and that's what you're talking about. Where she talking about that fear? White white uh, people have a fear of genetic annihilation. You know, well, some of them do because obviously, if you're fearing genetic annihilation of your race, you wouldn't be having, you know, uh, producing children with non white people. So some of them don't. But the white supremacists, you know, the ones that's really running things, and then certain ones like, you know, the terrorists that ain't really uh, got a lot of money or anything like that, but they subscribe to a cult of white supremacy, like a religion. Uh, and and so they fear that. I've heard a, a dude on the radio. He ain't on the radio around here no more. But he was on a conservative station, and he talked about it openly on the radio. He he on the air begged white women to have more babies because he's saying that we're dying off. And this was ten years ago. This was before the uh, reports came out about by 2050 this will be a predominantly non-white country. So I think that's what you're talking about, Max. What Nixon? That's that fear. What uh? Dr. Wilson was talking about their fear of genetic annihilation.
1: Uh, actually, I was going by a quote came from Abraham Lincoln that he had with his discourse with, uh, with Douglas over time, where he was basically saying that. I'll pull the quote up shortly. Um, what time do you expect our guests? To well, I'll from? be
0: calling our guests, um, you know, the usual time we talk to our guests, 20 after. We still right. got a couple minutes. Unless y'all well, want more.
1: Well, maybe I'll find this quote. and see if I can get it. I've got the whole list here. I'm, uh, it's from the Well, United yeah, States it doesn't
0: matter I'll... which white supremacist said it. Many of them have expressed that same fear of genetic annihilation, whether it be Nixon, whether it be um, um, uh, Lincoln, whether it be um, uh, whoever, man. Name a white supremacist
1: name a white supremacist just name uh, one Barack that's Obama? what they fear
0: is genetic uh, annihilation man <laughs> I think he
1: missed
0: that one he was like name a white supremacist and I said B- Barack Obama I said that fears um genetic well, annihilation he's uh, a proxy okay. racist man he ain't, he ain't full blooded white so he can't be a white supremacist he could be a tool of white supremacy but um, you know you gotta be purebred you know, in their eyes to be in that club. Um, yeah, so let me go ahead and uh, get our guest on on the line. If you want to give another intro to uh the guy's case who the man's case we'll be talking about.
1: Uh indeed. Uh we're about to bring in uh Hassani, I may be mispronouncing it, a Mohammed, uh who is uh the CEO of the NOI Lawyers and Law Students and the founder of Warrior Law, and will be talking to us about Darius Robinson's death in Oklahoma. Uh, As we said earlier, he was arrested on uh, child support by payments and sent to jail, and while in jail, literally was murdered. And uh, apparently there was a video about uh, his murder on video, and the prosecutor is sitting on it and will release the evidence.
0: Well, we have Sister Hassani on the line. I want to thank you, Sister, uh, for joining us. This is Scotty. Uh, Max is uh, the host, and uh, Brother Yohanan is the other co-host on the line. Thank you for joining us tonight. I wish it was under better circumstances. I do too. To the
3: thank you for show. having
0: me on. Sorry? So we only have you for a short time, so Max, is, let's just jump right into the interview if you want to start us off, Max?
1: Um. Yeah, certainly. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say welcome to New Abolitionist Radio. Uh, thank you for being here to share the story. We make it our business to try to get information like this out so people can see uh, that this is not an in isolated incident, but happening nationwide over and over again. And it's one of the reasons why we declare that Black Lives Matter, and we find it necessary to have to declare something like that. Uh, so certainly welcome. Uh, can you give us an update uh, as of the case where the case is standing at today and maybe a little bit of your own history and what you're trying to achieve at this point?
3: Yes, um, I would love to give you all an overview and an update. Um, Right now, we are representing myself, Attorney Malik Shabazz, and Attorney Brian Spencer are representing the estate of Darius Robinson. Darius Robinson was 41 years old. He had eight children. He was not Uh, a criminal he did have child support warrants but as as you all are aware it seems as though just being black is illegal at this point so um, we are we are being served death sentences for crimes that we should not be getting uh, we should barely even be getting a slap on the wrist for so where we are right now is that the DA as I believe your host stated has a video they will not really we have requested that it be released to the family we have requested that um, charges be brought against those jailers because the autopsy has came out it came out um, last week and his death was ruled a homicide by asphyxiation so our brother was strangled to death so for that alone the DA should be pressing charges so I just just kind of to give you an overview of where we are, we have asked the Department of Justice to step in and file criminal charges, and on the civil side, we are gathering information, we're demanding that the video be released, and we are working on a civil complaint as well.
1: Is there a time that uh, they have to appear to when you make a request for such information as the defense attorney?
3: Well, they see what they're doing, what they do, how they hide is they say that they need it, it's under investigation, so they will hold on to certain pieces of evidence while they complete their investigation, but I heard from the DA's own mouth that the video is very disturbing. We have witnesses who were in the jail who said that they pepper sprayed our brother and choked him out. Well. When they originally issued their report, they did not mention the pepper spray, nor did they mention that they had put him in any type of chokehold. So the cover-up started immediately.
1: Right. From the story that I read, they were trying to say basically that he had went crazy, uh, stir-crazy all of a sudden, and needed to be restrained, and uh, that led to his death. So what they're basically using is the old death by policeman" suicide uh, excuse.
3: Uh, Yes, and and you guys know the police playbook. I mean, as black people, we know the playbook now. Um, We should all know it. You know, what they do is they vilify the actual victim. A crime was committed against Darius Robinson, but their playbook says whoever we kill, we make them out to be the threat. We make them out to be the criminal, and then we look as though we're defending ourselves. So that is their standard playbook. I don't care, you know, whether from Trayvon Martin, who just happened to be walking home, as long as you can portray the black male or the black female as a threat, then you're justified in killing them in this system that we are under. So they once again are trying to make um, our brother Darius look as though he went crazy in his cell and they were, or there was a, a altercation, and they were attempting to lawfully restrain him. But if that were the case, then why did you not mention that you had to restrain him via chokehold? If that were the actual facts, why did you not mention that um, you pepper sprayed him? Why did you hide that? If what your if your actions were justified, that's what I would like to ask. And hopefully, we'll get the chance when we put them on the witness stand.
1: Man, uh I would love to hear the answer to those questions. I have a For question. To me it seems like such a such an epidemic. You know, they say that twelve hundred people were killed by police uh in two thousand and fifteen, but we've been finding out that the numbers are at least triple that in the jails and in the prisons where nobody's watching. They get away with murder, literally. Um, particularly I, in the I, jails. Yes.
0: Max, I have a question, um, and Johanna yes, might have some questions before uh, we wrap up because we only have like maybe 10 minutes left with our guests. Uh, my question is uh, I'm here in the state of North Carolina. Um, two former cops who are now states, um, members of the House in the state legislature just uh, advanced a bill that would. Um, Make body cams and what have you uh, not viewable Uh to the public to keep them secret. Only, you know, the police can see these things. And then. I'm gonna have to go look up the language of this bill because then as you brought uh-huh. up, that there is um, you know, a video of your client, client, um, Mr. Darius, um, being murdered. And so i right. am I I d I'm I'm start I'm wondering, with these such do these bills that try to keep these videos from the public when they're talking about um, what they call them, body cams and dash cams right. of the police. But what about the jails? Are they forced to release these, and are they trying to pass bills, you know, throughout the country at the state level to try to prevent these things from uh, making it to the daylight?
3: Oh, I, that is an excellent question and a really great observation. And you are 100% correct, they are. They have police unions. They have legislators. I mean, for the most part, the government is on the side of the police. The laws are are in favor of the police, and so this bill is another attempt. Because what is happening is with social media and with public information requests and all of these things being public, what they used to do, because this is nothing new, what they're doing, but because it's being exposed, the the Rotten underbelly of the so-called justice system is being exposed. They want to try to tamp that down, so they want to control who can see the videos and and use legal loopholes. They make mischief with the law, you know. And so they use legal loopholes to withhold information from the public because it's because of these videos that gets people. You know, it's sad to say, but when people get emotionally attached to something, then they see a video, then they're more likely to act versus, you know, you sending them a long article to read. You know what I mean? So they know the power of those videos and those body cams. But let me just say this. Eric Garner, we watched our brother's life leave his body on video, and they still did not, they found no wrongdoing on the cops. So... What we have to really understand, I'm talking to your audience, I'm talking to black people in general, is that yes, we have to look at these bills, look at these laws, but we have to realize that there's the justice that we seek, we're never going to get staying and living amongst them. This is their system, it's stacked against us as black lawyers, we do the best that we can, we fight, but we know that we're fighting a system and a system of laws that they bend and they'll even violate their own damn laws not to give you justice. So mm-hmm. you know they they give you false hope with body cams, then they take it away. Then they give you false hope with citizen's review boards, then they take all the power from the citizen review boards. So it's like the the ultimate bait and switch and they sit back and they laugh because every time we think we're making some sort of progress they, they take it back Or they make it to where it's just on paper It has no effect in real life You know what I mean So um, we have to really You know, when we get done with all these cases And we, we get done with certain things I'm just going to tell you, you know As a people, if we cannot get along And live with them in peace We need to have our own land And our own territory And our own laws And our own way of policing Because, I mean, I do you want to pass the same struggle on to your children and your grandchildren. Like, I would rather we just separate. Like, I mean, honestly. <laughs> I know that wasn't the topic of this this call, but I, I'm just, I'm seeing so much death and destruction.
1: Is, we, we feel it the is? same way, but oh. we, have a, a, we have an order of importance that we feel should be followed. First, we have right. to abolish slavery. Then we have to free the yes. people who have been put in these jails and prisons, get them out. Then we have to deal with yes. reparations and reconciliation. And then we move towards autonomy with whatever reparations right. we have may have received.
3: I mean, so you're right. And I, I I actually agree with all of that. And I, I agree with all of that, the principles of all of that, because we're definitely still enslaved. And so, um, Darius Robinson, as you said earlier, is a one of a long line of murders. We're being murdered, and so we're—you know—the majority of our people are still trying to <laughs> rationalize this violence against us. And they say, "Well, we're not like our fathers. We didn't enslave y'all. No, you didn't. You didn't enslave us. Shadow slavery, but we're in a worse condition than we were when we came out of slavery. But so we didn't
0: come um, out, you though, haven't sis.
3: Changed. Right." They haven't changed. They're they're just more sophisticated than their fathers. Right. And so our people are really lost. They don't know which way to turn. They don't know what you know. They try everything they can to get treated like human beings. Right. And they we fail every time. So, but I believe that that's God's plan. I believe that that's the only way our people because our people are so in love with this system, so in love with with uh, white supremacy. And the American ideal that it's going to take our, us tasting our own blood time after time after time before we will actually look at separating. And like you said, being autonomous and being a nation that others will respect. And then we can trade and go amongst them and do what we got to do, but we have to, we have to survive and we're not surviving in, in their land and in their system. We're being slaughtered.
0: So what's the next um, step in in the case? Um, I I know you said that um, demanding the video be released and you're gathering other uh, evidence. Are there any kind of public events uh, coming up that that you want the citizens to rally around? Or the people, I should say.
3: I would encourage everybody to meet us, if you can, in Oklahoma on July 25th. Um, well, July 24th, actually, we're going to be having a town hall meeting. I, we're trying to get the church, um, where we're going to have it at, um, narrow it down. But we will, we are planning on having a town hall meeting because we're being told that the blacks and the Indians, there's a lot of Native Americans there and they're suffering greatly and people just show up dead and disappearing. So they, they live in tremendous fear in Cato County, Oklahoma. There's about 7,000 people there. And um, so we have a a town hall on the 24th of July, and then on the 25th of July we're doing a press conference. We need the people to come out. I'm actually um, looking for, we need them to Google uh, John Hicks, who's the DA. These are plans, this is action that you can take to help the family. Google John Hicks, the district attorney who is trying to send this to the grand jury, which is basically an attempt to not indict anyone we need people to call his office email him and demand that he one release the video and two that he press charges on these criminals who murdered this innocent man so that's what we need people to do Um, call the district attorney john hicks is his name and we need you all to come out make your way to oklahoma and stand with the family and stand with the people because they're fearful and they actually need people from the outside to come in and tell them what their rights are and help them take a stand. One,
0: one, last, um, one last question. Um, sure, sure. Will you be participating in the upcoming National Convention of the Oppressed, which is going to be taking place in Cleveland uh, on starting July 14th through the 17th?
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't know if you if you all are aware, but I started out as um the legal assistant to attorney Malik Shabazz who's hosting that event and um I've actually been helping him put that entire event together. We just actually turned in some more permit applications. So yes, of course. I want everybody to come to Cleveland, you know, and um thank you for reminding me about that. Come to the National Convention of the Oppressed. We're having um blacks from every clan every tribe every way of life every thought ideology religion we don't care because at the end of the day can we all agree on one thing when the cop is killing us or is pulling us over they never ask you what your religion is or what your political views are can we agree on that
0: yes. um, <laughs> yeah <laughs>
3: yeah yeah that, that's all we need to agree on like you you know you may present it but they don't care That's the point. And so we got to stop caring about what doesn't matter. I don't care if you're a Muslim, a Christian, an agnostic. If you're black and you give a crap about your children and you give a crap about your people, you should be able to unite on that principle alone. So that's what Attorney Shabazz is saying. All groups come to Cleveland. We're having a convention of the oppressed. We want to put together a platform. We want us to unite because, you know, growing up, I grew up in Iowa, 97% white. All faiths, all religions, all types of, they work together and get things done. Nobody cares what your religious or political view is when they when it's time to get something done. So we need to maybe study that and let go of some of these um, titles and things that keep us divided and keeps us in this condition. So Yes, come to the Convention of the Oppressed. Yes, I will be there. Um, go to my um, website. Well, I'm going to hit two. There's the Convention of the Oppressed, www.conventionofthepressed.org. There's all the information, tickets, everything on there. Um, if you want to reach Attorney Malik Zulu Shabazz, go to www.dlfjustice.org or Google Black Lawyers for Justice. If you want to contact me directly, um, you can go to my website, hasanemohamed.com. I know it's hard to spell. Or you can email me at getjusticelaw at com, or call me at 202-607-3733. That's 202-607-3733. That is also the number for Black Lawyers for Justice. So Justice Law is kind of an extension from that. So, I have a, um, a question I'd like
1: to ask you before you leave, <laughs> if, it's, if it's possible. And uh, to share just a little bit of information, would you?
3: I'm sorry, what you say?
1: I, Mr. Mohammed, I would like to ask a final question, if it's possible, and to share a little bit of information oh, yeah. with you uh, and a comment. Sure. Well, the question I would like to ask you is, are you familiar with the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution?
3: Yes, sir, I am.
1: All right, and how do you feel about that?
3: Uh, Which part are you What specifically are you asking
1: Section 1 Which says that slavery is abolished In the United States of America and all its territories
3: Except for prisoners
1: To be convicted
3: Yeah except for the commission of a crime Um, How do I feel about that I think that that was another Way of uh, They just changed the title They didn't change the condition So I think it's Bullshit I mean, it's, it's it was just uh, another way where, like I said, they put you on a path like, do the, we'll get the 13th Amendment, but then we're going to add something to it that takes, it puts you right back in the same condition. So what they've done since right. then is criminalize black people. So that goes yeah, back so to my very first point. Being black is illegal. So if being black is illegal and it's a crime, then therefore you are a slave. So well, that, that's, that's my point that's-
1: when you when you mention that we need to get behind the idea that these police will kill us, and that's the unifying idea, I would have to uh, disagree with you on that. I think the unifying idea is that we have to come to the conclusion that slavery never ended and that it's being practiced on us right now, today, and that we must abolish it and get rid of this reform conversation, because you can't reform a crime against humanity. You have to abolish it. And if we can agree that slavery never ended, then we can make I totally changes. agree, but
3: you're still I totally agree with that, and actually, I didn't say that we could, we should unite on the principle of just police brutality. I said we should unite on the fact that they don't care what your right. position is. you're black, <laughs> your kids will be killed so you can't your mom will be killed that's all I'm saying I'm saying that we, we don't escape. But even in your abolitionist argument, which I agree with, let me say that I agree with you. We we need to abolish Indeed. slavery. However, if we go into the same man that put us in slavery asking him to abolish slavery, then you're still a slave to even think like that. We they never right. want they're never to gonna the abolish War. slavery for us. We have to take back our human right to exist and live. And have freedom, justice, and equality. But asking or demanding or even doing a symbol to your slave master to give you something, again, is the actions of a slave. So I'm not saying ask them them. for anything. I'm saying as a people, we come together and we decide what we're going to do, like free human beings. I'm not going to go ask the white man if he will give (laughs) me anything. I'm going to decide that this is what I'm willing to die for, because I don't want to go through this. I don't want my kids to go through this. I'm willing to die for this. When we get to that unifying principle, then we will be free overnight, because we will shake off the slave mentality. I don't need a title. I don't need you to write an amendment for 13th or none of that. I just need my people to mature and get out of these stupid boxes and labels and look around and say... I am a free person, and as a free person, I'm going to take some land, I'm going to take my family, I'm not going to let them kill my children, I'm not going to let them rape my women, I'm not going to let them work me for a slave labor, that's when we'll be free. All that other stuff is just another example of us trying to get something from someone who has never given us nothing tangible
0: can't argue with you there so uh, um but Max we got to conclude the uh interview uh, attorney <laughs> Hassan Mohammed
1: I, come I back and my client? Can I
3: come back and bring Shabazz and my client on I think
0: Well a- actually um actually uh, attorney Malik Shabazz will be on Black Talk Radio News Friday. Oh perfect perfect. Well you
3: ever wanted to talk to Antio Darius Robinson's brother um he, he's doing media he's he, we're actually going to be on the Roland Martin show in the morning so yeah if you if you guys ever want us to come back we'd love to come oh, back most Thank certainly. You so much for if having on me on the Roland Martin uh, show me if could i am passionate, but you know huh
1: if you get the opportunity to be on the Roland Martin Show, please mention abolition in some shape or form just to get it out there. Because we do believe that there are certain things we can legislate, like the 13th Amendment Exception Clause, like banning private prisons, like banning uh, BO's bonding, and things like that. Those are things we can legislate, but somebody has to say it once in a while. And we have to get the word abolition out there because that seems to be our best opportunity to yeah. make change okay. at this point.
0: Yeah. but Max, you okay, just I, said...
3: Okay, I agree with that. You know yeah. what? And I agree with that. When you said about, um, you know, getting rid of private prisons, and those things can be legislated. You're absolutely right. You, those things would help our people. But the problem is, you know, getting people in office and getting those things passed when you, they have a system that keeps us out of that. But that would work. That would help. I do agree with you on that. But, oh. like I said, it it would be easier if we just did our
0: own thing. I mean. You're talking about black nationalism. Right. So, people check huh? out the program that I did um, or the article I also wrote on uh, Thomas. Uh, what is it? Clarence Thomas is not a black nationalist as a couple of well-known pundits said and um also the the uh podcast from black talk radio news on the appropriation of black nationalism but what you're talking about attorney muhammad is true black nationalism but again don't want to keep you longer than we said we would uh certainly we will be in contact and have you back as well as uh, darius robinson's brother All right. Yeah, I
3: would. I would love. Thank you all for having me on.
0: All right. Good night. Peace to you.
3: Good night.
1: Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're a little overdue, or should we just continue through?
0: Oh, let's take a break.
1: All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: Black Talk Radio Network is made possible in part with help from the Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina based nonprofit engaged in the production and distribution of independent digital black media. Find out more by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com or blacktalkmediaproject.org and look for the menu tab Crowdfunding Black Media. Black Talk Media Project, helping to provide you with new black media for the new millennium. You are tuned in to Black Talk Radio New Black Media for the New Millennium
1: Peace and welcome back to New Adams Radio I'd like to thank our guest, Sister Muhammad. Attorney Muhammad was here earlier uh, speaking about the Darius case And uh, what's going on with that And I look forward to Friday's interview On Black Talk Radio with Scotty Reed So Scotty um, I guess we get on to the next story Oh and by the way I did find that quote From Lincoln that he said our Republican system was made for homogeneous people. As long as blacks continue to live with the whites they constitute a threat to the national life, family life may also collapse, and the increase of mixed breed bastards may someday challenge the supremacy of the white man. That was Lincoln's own words.
0: Sound like what um, Dr. Francis Cress Wilson was talking about, fear of genetic annihilation. That's what he, yeah, so... Uh, but, uh, Johanna, you've been awful quiet tonight, man. Did Did we have any thoughts? And, and I do want to apologize to the listeners because it's particularly difficult for me to engineer tonight's program. We got a lot of reverb coming from it, all different directions. And so I'm trying to manage that. Um, And we'll work on that, um, you know, um, another time and try to increase the quality of the program. But, Johanna, you've been awful quiet, man. Did you have any thoughts on the interview that uh, we just had with um, uh, Attorney Hassana um, Muhammad on the Darius Robinson case? No, I mean, I wasn't,
2: you know, as usual with the interviews, I, I like to hear people say, how they really feel and what's going on with it. I mean, you can't uh, you can't fake knowing what you're talking about when we let you talk, and you can't uh, you know you can't hide your ignorance if you don't know what you're <laughs> talking about if we let you talk. So I I like to hear when people come in and sound well informed and have uh, have a laid out plan and have obvious experience and knowledge of history and knowledge of what's going on. You know, kind of in a 360 type of a, uh, a, a perspective which, you know, the sister obviously has. So, I mean, I just look at it as a a good starting point, a good jumping off point because I hadn't met her until I got the information on the Planet page that she was going to be uh, coming on the program. And so I checked out her page on Facebook and friended her and, you know, kind of had a little, I won't say conversation, but just gave her some of the basic information that we talk about, you know, on the program and just look forward to getting her on. So, from what I heard her say, I mean, she was right on the money with everything she was talking about. I mean, all the way down to carrying it to black nationalism and, and you know, calling a spade a spade with this situation, with this system being, you know, irreparable. I mean, it's not going to ever be for everybody. It, it can't. This system cannot exist for everybody. It has to have a base, a foundation of slaves, of victims mm-hmm. so I mean I appreciated her sobriety on that point
1: I'm in agreement with it too I, as I said I, I feel like uh, William Lloyd uh, felt and when he said there can be no union with slaveholders we can't live side by side with people who want us dead and buried it, that people want us slaves we can't do it you just can't live next to people like that it has got to be a separation if you're going to let them just run around free then let them run around free somewhere else Speaking of these slave catchers, man, the first story comes out of uh, tonight comes out of uh, Oakland, California, and it's in regards to three police chiefs who have quit in only eight days. Now, why did three police chiefs quit? Well, the story I want to read to you comes out of USA Today, but uh, you can find it in different articles. It's uh, news now. Oakland, California, has gone to three police chiefs in eight days after scandals from illicit sex to racist texts. Acting Chief Paul Figueroa became the latest casualty Friday when he stepped down after two days on the job. While he said the decision was not related to the scandals, it left the beleaguered department under civilian control. Mayor Libby Schaaf said the city was about to close a new investigation focused on racist text messages. By police officers that followed a probe into whether dozens of officers had sex with a teenage prostitute, I will not choose to say anything today that will undermine the city of Oakland's ability to impose the maximum discipline in this case. Schaff wrote on a Facebook post as the mayor of Oakland, I'm here to run a police department, not a frat house. I am determined how you get frat houses from police raping teenage girls. I don't get that, but anyway. I am determined to root out a culture that tolerates unethical behavior, the 50-year-old Democrat wrote. Who cares if he's a Democrat? At a time when communities across the country were questioning police culture, it is critical that our officers operate ethically. This is especially important in a community like Oakland, where trust between the police and the community has been broken in the past. Shaf had fired the first city interim police chief, Ben Farrell, on Tuesday, less than a week after appointing him to the run the department amid the sex scandal. She said she learned information that raised concern about his ability to serve. The firing followed the abrupt resignation of Chief Sean Went five days earlier during an ongoing investigation into claims by a young woman who said she had sex with officers, in part to avoid being arrested." Five Oakland police officers have been suspended and two of them have resigned. We are dealing with disgusting allegations that upset me greatly, Schaeff said Wednesday as mayor. I need to have absolute confidence that the leader of this department can be 100% effective at leading cultural change based on current allegations that we take extremely seriously. The probe began following the September 15th suicide of an Oakland officer (laughs) who left a note admitting to the relationship With the woman that began when he was married, the woman is the daughter of a police dispatcher. And the investigation into her contact with officers has now broadened to encompass multiple police agencies across the area. At least four law enforcement agencies have opened internal investigations into the woman's claim, which she has backed up with text messages. The woman, who US Today is not identifying because she may be the victim of multiple sex crimes, has made multiple references to the investigation on her Facebook page and posted pictures of herself giving interviews. To television reporters She did not respond to requests for comment But KPIX TV That she had sex with at least three officers While she was still 16 Which would be statutory rape Oh my god man You got these three cops Passing around a teenage girl Across four different agencies And probably beyond the three And it's the daughter of a dispatch And these are the people who have our lives in their hands Who tell us that we're going to jail For something that they call unlawful And yet they run around every day Knowing they're raping little kids As police freaking chiefs And we're supposed to be okay with that But they get to resign, right? That's how they get That's their punishment, they get to resign
2: Right, they get to resign um, And Then someone else will either Reinstate them or they get to resign And get to keep their benefits you know they got all kind of loopholes, man. They, these dudes will, will will stay free, and retire, and go to another district somewhere, and and you know take some kind of position on the force again, continue their tenure, and be able to you know retire with maximum benefits. They probably get into some kind of situation where they start working overtime like crazy to really boost up their yearly salary. So when they do retire, I mean these cats got so many loopholes. That's just on the police. a job side of it. But, you know, on the other side of it, as far as us as a society and how we react to this and how we hold these people accountable, the issue remains that the masses just refuse to accept and believe what's really going on. I mean, how do you get people to accept that these kind of issues are not going to stop? I mean, this is not some uh, uh, one-off outlier situation, this is pretty much the norm for what they do, state to state, city to city, and their little fraternity mindsets and their little, you know, good old boy network type of state of mind. I, I can pretty much guarantee you can go state to state and find major metro cities where they do this type of thing all the time, and you find all kind of, what do they tell you about the, uh, what was it, uh, 300 and uh, something thousand missing black women it just never came back. Just nobody ever knew what happened. When we had a, a sister, sister Dawn on uh, Self Esteem Queen and talking about, you know, how people just disappear. I mean, this is what's happening. That the police have the power to. Decide if he even gets investigated. The police have the power to determine cause of death and where the body was found and all this kind of stuff. And they're behind all kind of dirt that's going on. And I mean, people can call it conspiracy if you want. I mean, is 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 your mother, brother, sister, friend, whoever, this the next victim if you don't get your head on straight?
1: Man, I just just driving at me. This is why I can't focus on the individual incidents because we see this so often. We just reported on the three in New York Police Department last week. This week is Oakland. And these are just the people that were busting, that, that are getting busted I and mean, literally getting to walk away after doing so. Uh, we also have the report on the man who was raping, the policeman who was raping black women exclusively. I think he had raped like 16 different black women and he was hunting them, literally, in uniform. And yet we got these people picking us up for what? Child support? <laughs> Non-payment of child support. Right. Amazing. And that's what and that's
2: why I'm saying what I'm saying. Like you just pointed out to these other cases. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying. I don't want people to think I'm somehow being extreme or conspiratorial. Yeah, it's a conspiracy, alright. But it's not just a theory. And I'm not wearing some tinfoil hat and you know, looking for the Boogeyman or something, these are the people How many reports of the news Just like when we had the sister on a minute ago Talking about this uh, brother that died in custody I posted on my page On Facebook a few days ago And I do it all the time just to kind of get an idea of what's going on You can simply google these The basic information about These kind of stories And your jaw will drop at how pervasive This same type of Story is all over the country On a regular basis when you Google "man dies in jail," you're gonna get 20 different links on the first page, all of them to a different story of somebody dying in jail within the last couple of days. Yep. Women died. In, woman died in custody in jail. Same thing. It's gonna be 20 or 30 links on the first page response, and if you just keep going two, three, four, five pages, all these links are to different incidents that's just going on day in, day out. Go to your computer if you're listening to this Whether it's live right now tonight or you hear it on the podcast Sometime in the future Go to Google and Google Police rapes child Police rapes woman Police rapes man Police rapes cows Police rapes yes. dogs They actually yes. have been stories of that Yes, yes. So I mean it, it, We're not the ones sounding crazy Maybe you're crazy if you're not believing it If you're not looking out for it for yourself Is this someone that you would want your child to run to for help if they felt threatened, if they were being chased, if they felt lost, if they, you know, whatever, needed to report a crime or some violation? They walk right from the frying pan into
1: the fire. Wow. Wow. See, this is why I'm hoping that – on Friday I can get a chance to call in and ask him if we can get an abolitionist
0: voice at actually the I'm point. sorry it's not this Friday it's, it's the next people. it's Is the it next Max can you hear me man <laughs> yes sir I can hear you now yeah yeah okay um, it's not this Friday I'm sorry it's on the 7th so that's next week Friday
1: Okay. lot uh, Yeah. I'd uh, like to ask him about that, if we can get a voice from the abolitionist movement at the oppressed people, uh, Congress Congress, oppressed people. Because, uh, you know, I just think that this is something that we can clearly see. And, and you know, there's really no excuse to say you haven't thought about the 13th Amendment much. That is, It's only like, what is it, a paragraph long? And it's the entirety of what we base our freedom on as people of color in this nation. That this is what abolished slavery. That right there, Thirteenth Amendment. And if it didn't abolish slavery, it's worth thinking about.
0: But to see the problem is like the sister was saying, though, and like even I will hear David on Tando Radio Show, and something I say, I don't. They don't give me my rights. The Constitution don't give me no rights. I have God-given, whatever label you want to put on the Creator, whatever you call it. Even if you are atheist. I have certain inalienable rights. You know what I'm saying? I don't need I don't need the uh, uh plagiarized words of of uh Thomas Jefferson to bestow rights upon me. But these are governing, they're important because they're governing documents and we're all subjected to those laws and whatnot because they have the law enforcement, and we don't ha- we are not organized and don't have the means to resist, okay, we're still in a state of slavery, you know everybody every you know mostly of everybody out there, but particularly black people uh you a slave waiting to happen that's why you had to take certain steps and precautions on learning how to move. You know, behind these lines and not being careless and doing stuff that's gonna attract the attention of slave catchers, and then you on the plantation. So that what she's saying, man. You know that that document does not govern me. I'm just subject to it because they got the law enforcers, the gun behind it. So I That's tend not that to that do certain. I tend not to do certain things like drinking and driving, and and you know, uh, uh, out here selling guns on the street and all kind of other crazy stuff, man. I'm not doing that because even though I don't subject myself to the authority as a sovereign human being, and I'm not part of no sovereign movement or anything like that. I just got. I, I'm, I'm just a person who's declaring his his rights as a human being on this earth and who who shouldn 't have to be subjected to unjust rule of somebody else, and I think that 's what what attorney Hassana Muhammad was trying to say, you know, but again, like she acknowledged changing the 13th Amendment, putting pressure on people, informing people that slavery was never abolished, that will bring some relief to some of the victims. But, you know, uh, the father of black nationalism, the whole reason he came up with it is because he didn't think they would ever stop practicing slavery. He didn't think they would ever stop practicing institutional racism. And, and, and so that's why he wanted to start a black nation uh, uh, away from them. That's what the separation is based on. It's not based on hate for somebody else, it's based on their hate for us and want to keep mistreating us. so let' let's just separate and th- that's what we tell you know abused uh, people who are in abusive relationships, right? Leave, you leave. So that's what she was talking about in terms of black nationalism.
1: I agree. I'm in agreement with her as well as uh, for the autonomy. We've discussed that on several occasions. But we also understand that it's this legislation that puts into play these slave catchers and allows them to do what they do. Um, One of the reasons why most people don't want to talk about abolition, because when you're talking about freeing people, you're also talking about firing police if you don't have that prison population then you can't justify all of those jobs that are in place for prisoners prison prison guards and police well let's talk the-
2: about I was just going to say I guess my take on it is is just always going to be related to you know slavery of of old so to speak and the basis of it all is just going to remain to be the same this is a wealth builder. So these same people that are lobbying our lawmakers, you know, they're generating so much wealth off of it that that's the issue. I mean, we saw in the in the Civil War situation that the states that were generating the most wealth were willing to just leave the whole country to collapse. So you're talking about on a on a macro level, you know, I mean the whole country is basically tied into this now This was at a time When it was certain states That had the most slaves You know they've said about history uh, At one point South Carolina had more slaves In the state as, as citizens You know like people living in the state Than it did white folks as, uh, Free white people So that's how out of control the money Got folks And you know Mississippi was one of the richest states So this is how these people Just like today The, the wealthy they're willing to sacrifice the entire economy, the entire rule of law, and the government itself to maintain and continue to capitalize off of slavery. So this is, I guess, this is a, is something that we just have to continue to refine how we communicate it um, and make it plain and make it easy for the common person to to grasp and show them the way to how they can do their part to you know and on and on with this because I really don't understand how. This is not the issue. I mean, you know, unless you've got some kind of serious personal health matter that you're dealing with, then of course you're trying to live, you're trying to survive or whatever. But I mean, for your children, for your future, for the country, where is it going to go? It's not, the slavery is real, people. This is the major wealth generator for Wall Street now, as it was in 1816. Doesn't that make you a little concerned? Then Wall Street was originally set up to trade commodities which included people As well as sugar and salt and and whatever else they was making, cotton and so forth And trading these goods out into the world markets These states wanted to leave the union because they had all they needed They had the money, they had the, the, the connections to the international markets And all the different governments and all the They didn't need the rest of us And that's how these wealthy feel, they don't need us so I don't know why people trying to, to strike little blows that don't hurt too bad. You need to be ready to strike a blow to kill them because they're killing you.
0: Hey, um, one question before we take our break, um, we run a little over. I got a question to you, Johanna, because you study these the most. Now, I posted – um. Um, a meme or infograph to our page on New Abolitionist Radio showing the stocks of the GEO group. Now we know that in, in tied it to the Brexit vote 'Cause their stock took it had been taking a dip anyway, but it really took a dip on when they voted to leave the European Union. Now I know that the Geo group is more worldwide. I am I'm, I'm asking you, i really I'm asking you. The Correction Corporation, their stocks kinda went up. But the GO group lost. So now I'm trying to I'm trying to understand that. Is it because GO is more tied into International slavery and Correction Corporation of America is more focused on domestic slavery here. How do I explain the uh, stock gains of CCA and the losses of GEO uh, on the day and immediately following the Brexit vote and uh, people of the UK, a majority of the people of the UK voting to leave the European Union?
2: Well, I mean, you just hit it on the head. That's, that is pretty much the basis for, you know, what what we've seen here just recently, you know, when that happened. Now, GEO is kind of uh, rebounding, but this is only after the, uh, the rest of the European Union has come together with, you know, the top banks and discussed with them that they need to continue to leave, you know, lines of credit open. Because it's just like when Lehman Brothers failed. You know, it's just like the bailout here, basically. When the banks lose confidence, when the people lose confidence in the funds, you know, the banks lose a lot of leverage. So the only thing they could do is hold the cars they got and then look for for bailout money. So, yeah, GEO being an international uh, firm, you know, like we reported here, they're in, you know, in Israel, uh, in uh, Australia, Haiti, you know, several countries around the planet—they're—they're they're involved. So yeah, they're going to see a hit. Uh, CCA is is based on more on government contracts here, like with detention for immigrants and this kind of thing. So they they're a little bit more stabilized with their with their funds overall.
0: All right, thanks, man, for explaining. I kind of suspected that, but I wanted to hear it from from you. Oh Max, you still there? You wanna take us a point? Yeah, I'm here. We'll
1: be right back after these messages. That's all I gotta say. You're listening to New Revolutionist Radio on Black Talk Radio Network.com. Now I'm not a
0: writer.
3: Okay.
0: Black talk radio since 2008, providing new black media for the masses.
1: Welcome back to New Adolescence Radio. Um, I'm here with Scotty Reed, running the line, and uh, we are going to go on to which is CCA, and it's an inter- uh, it's a, actually an expose from Mother Jones where a journalist took a job in CCA's private prisons for four months as a prison guard. Uh, Very little was, uh, attention was paid to his background. Literally, you can read this story on New Abolitionist Radio, but literally he was saying they didn't care who it is. They were paying people $500 to recruit other people to come in for this $9 an hour job. It's a very long, story about his experiences there. I just want to read a couple of uh, chapters out of it or a couple of uh, paragraphs out of it. One is when he was in class early on during training as a prison guard in the CCA private prison. And it's his recollection, recollection of that day. He said, in class that day, we learned about the use of force. A middle-aged black instructor, I'll call Mr. Tucker, came into the classroom. His black fatigues tucked into his shiny black boots. He's the head of WINS Special Operation Response Team, or SORT, the prison's SWAT-like tactical unit. If an inmate was to spit in your face, what would you do, he asked. Some cadets say they would write him up. One woman who has worked here for 13 years and is doing her annual retraining said... I would want to hit him. Depending on where the camera is, he might, would get hit. Mr. Tucker pauses to see if anyone else has a response. If your personality... If somebody spit on you is to knock the F out of him, you're going to knock the F out of him, he says, pacing slowly. If an inmate hit me, I'm going to hit his ass right back. I don't care if the camera's rolling. If an inmate spit on me, he's going to have a very bad day, Mr. Tucker says. We should call for backup in any confrontation. If a midget spit on you, guess what? You're still supposed to call for backup. You are not supposed to ever get into a one-on-one encounter with anybody, period, whether you can take them or not. Hell, if you got a problem with a midget, call me. I'll help you. Me and you can whoop the hell out of him. He asks us what we should do if we see two inmates stabbing each other. I'll probably call somebody at cadet office. I'd sit there and holler stop, says a veteran guard. Mr. Tucker points at her. Damn right. That's it. If they don't pay attention to you, hey... There ain't nothing else you can do. He tucks his hands around his mouth. Stop fighting, he says to some invisible prisoners. I said, stop fighting. His voice is nonchalant. Y'all ain't going to stop, it, huh? He makes it like he's backing out a door and slams it shut. Leave your ass in there. These are the thoughts of the people who are in charge of the freaking prisons. Uh, what is these version of their SWAT team saying these things? And you're talking about 13 year veterans who still ain't got a damn clue, and have been re are being retrained annually, and still don't know how to deal with this. This is just crazy. And there's one, uh, uh, there's several parts in there, and they're pretty mind blowing. But you get the gist of what's happening. These untrained underpaid people with uh, dubious records are coming in and putting, being put in charge of prisoner's lives. Even at one point there was a woman who was a trainee in there who apologized to, or oh, I didn't apologize she thanked a prisoner for leaving the cell while she ripped it apart per orders of her superior because the prisoner pissed off the superior. And when the prisoner left she said thank you and one of the veteran guards came along and said hey don't ever do that Because it takes away your power You don't thank them for nothing This is the mindset that we're dealing with Brothers.
2: I mean as, it's, as, it's, as we continue to say Slave catcher madness man this, You're not going to get Sane Results Insane symptoms Insane conditions Out of an insane Proposition It can't happen. You can't be diagnosed with cancer and then you just feel better than you ever felt. I mean, everything about you is going to be sick because cancer is in you. So until you can cut that out and remove that, reverse the situation, you're not going to have sterling health. You're not going to be walking around feeling great about life. You're going to be dying of the cancer. This society, our race relations, our money situation, our security our foreign relations, our, our trade I mean, everything I'm naming Is intimately intertwined with modern day slavery The, the, the new international trade uh, what, what is it, T-Pet Or what are they calling it The Whatever, the new trade treaty or whatever They made sure to say that we Can refuse goods that are made by slave labor From foreign countries We can refuse them into our markets we refuse from letting them into our markets but there is no consideration given whatsoever to all the goods that we make that are slave-created here in, in jails, in prisons. That is a major part of our economic policy. That is a major part of our foreign policy, our trade policy, slavery. That's an, an aspect of it. This right here, what you're talking about, these people's insanity, is because they are working on plantations. So just like they was crazy as hell on plantations in 1816, and working the dead peonage farms in 1916, it's the same now. It's just going to come down to what side are you on and, you know, let me know when you're ready. We can, <laughs> we can start going for it because, I mean, how how else are we going to change it? Like the sister said, we, we're going to have to get to some point where more of us are willing to accept what's really going on and then decide whether or not separation is a good idea because, see, it's not fair for all these black folks to walk around here and talk about how separation is just wrong and segregation didn't do us no good and we can't do that and that ain't right and that ain't God's will and all this other crap people talk see you're not really looking at the situation though you're not being honest about the situation you're living in if you're on fire you're not going to tell me that you think gasoline is a good way to try to put it out you're not admitting you're on fire if you say that These people are not admitting that they're living in a slave system through and through. That's why they say separation is just, oh, that's a horrible idea. Until you show me that you can survive without having me as a slave and a victim, I think for my own best interest I need to not be intertwined with you. Show me how you can do it without because your your rise upon the world stage was based on stealing people's stuff, making everybody else a criminal, and taking over, and then enslaving people. And it has not stopped for 500 years. So show me some other way, and then maybe we could talk. Sorry about the rent.
1: No, you're right, brother. You're right. And we just posted the information on CCA, where they operate, what they own, how many prisons they have, who has stocks invested in CCA. This is the number one pr- private prison company in the world, Correctional Corporations of America. So you should be uh, aware of this information. You know, as uh, presently they have 61 facilities across the United States. 34 state prisons, 14 federal prisons, 9 immigration detention centers, 4 jails, and it owns 50 of of those sites. Um, 38 hold men, 2 hold women, 20 hold both sexes, and 1 holds women and children. 17 of their prisons are in Texas, 7 are in Tennessee, and 6 are in Arizona. It's amazing what we know about those three states and how deeply embedded they are in slavery. When you celebrate Juneteenth, in Texas, you might be you want to be familiar with the 17 prisons owned by CCA there. Um, their biggest investors and the people who are a part of their board of directors is uh, interesting, to say the least. CCA's biggest invest, investor, the Vanguard Group, the country's second largest money management firm, holds 14% of CCA stock valued at $500 million as of 2015. Notable figures is, uh, of course, Thurgood Marshall Jr., who is uh the son of the first African-American Supreme Court Justice, Charles Overby. Uh, he is the CEO of the Freedom Forum. <laughs> How ironic is that? A foundation that promotes press freedoms. And Michael Jacoby, who is the chairman of gunmaker Stern Rogers. So you got a gunmaker on their board of directors. And then also you have uh, Harry Lapin who is their chief corrections officer and a former director of the Federal Bureau of Prisons. So he went right from government to private industry, just keeping slavery going. You know, you have to think about how this interacts with our federal and state prisons. It's true that private prisons make up a small percentage of our entire federal and state prison population, but look at it like this. Imagine strings of casinos all over the place, and they're all legit casinos, right? Right. Every one of them is following the law. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And then you've got two or three of them that are owned by the mafia. What do you think is going to happen to the entire casino industry eventually? That's what we're seeing here with our prison industry. This seed of demonic filth has touched the entire industry. It's affected it all to the point where even the state and federals have moved to use prisons as a for-profit venture, as has been shown in the Department of Justice's Ferguson report.
0: Look! Look! They still housing what? I don't know the numbers, but I would imagine over a half a million people. What's their percentage of the two point five that's in jail or prisons in the country? So, when people say a small percentage of all the jails and prisons, that really doesn't mean anything because they are known for stacking them on top of each other like sardines. So, you know, they get they bout filling beds. So we know they uh have hundreds of thousands of, of immigrants um, and, and what have you so um, they still um, a huge but this is the number one thing though that they drive yeah So what if there's less private prisons? you know I just went through how many people they still housing but that's the money that drives the legislation to criminalize people. To put them in the prison, whether it be state, federal, or private prison, so that's their danger. That's the that's the most dangerous sword that they wield, or weapon that they wield is the power of profit, which then they can corrupt. When we see all throughout Congress and and what have you, that there are plenty of politicians on the take, man, and and even through the legal the legal means of bribery you know, they are able to influence in, in this legislation. So that's all I would add to that.
1: They have a chart on this breakdown of what, when, where, who, and why. And on the chart, it shows the price, stock price of CCA from 1997 to 2016. Now, take a wild guess when their golden year was, when they made the most – their stock had soared up to $150 a share. It was in 1997, right at the height of the Clinton crime bills. And as we know right now, the Clintons are still the recipients of money coming in from CCA. Hey Amen. this is
2: what, what I just said before. All roads lead to slavery. We've been saying this, I think you told me in the planning page, uh, three years now. So, you know, I mean, this is uh, all roads lead to slavery, people. We're not over here uh, some kind of crazy, like, you know, how they had, like, the prepper shows where people, you know, some people take heed and start prepping and, you know, just kind of taking heed to it and looking at ways they can be ready. Some folks look at that like, man, these guys are crazy. What kind of a fool would go out and, you know, Make a ready room or get a bag Or go buy all these canned goods You know, this kind of stuff So, I mean, this is just human nature It's it's a lot of people that just don't want to accept That this is It's so pervasive Like you said, Clinton Hell, all of them getting cash off of it I'm almost 100% certain I ain't even looked it up But I'm almost certain that uh, Trump is invested to some degree or another In some of these banks I mean, the whole list of people that, That are invested in CCA and Geo Group is, I mean, how can you not be invested if you got that kind of money? Where else are you putting your money? It has to go into some of these funds or in these banks or whatever. Plus, it's paying well. So you're not going to be some wealthy person and you're not getting, you know, a piece of the pie. So, yeah, these are our choices
1: for president now. Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's considered a choice, brother. <laughs> be honest I mean, with you. You, yeah.
2: do you. think Can you think of, like, how crazy that is that we know the country started, you know, with Washington and uh, Jefferson and these boys was, you know, in the slave-owning club and all that, and people's excuse, uh, people's way of excusing that and, and rationalizing that is, well, it was just what was going on at the time. I mean, they weren't bad people. The Constitution was written for everybody. Like, they were wealthy white landowners. They didn't respect women. And damn sure didn't respect non-white people, but the Constitution was written for everybody. Not even the common people that was coming here actually breaking the ground and being indentured servants and all that. I mean, it, the Constitution was written for everybody. That's all they say. And and these guys were just victims of the time they lived in. I mean, they they, they if they they didn't want to be slave owners, but I mean that was just what people did. So here we are in 2016, 1776 to 2016. And our presidential candidates are still slave owners?
1: And nothing changed but electricity. Man, I mean, shit. pretty much it. You know, we've compared it on many occasions to the story of uh, 12 years a slave with Solomon Northrup, where he was, you know, enjoying life up in the North, playing his little violin and collecting his pennies from his uh, white sponsors and not even caring that just. Couple states away, slavery still existed for his brothers and sisters. Didn't matter to him until he actually got caught up in it himself. And that's where we're at right now. People don't really care until it hits home, and then suddenly it's, "Oh my God, slavery is real!" How did I find out? I'm here now. They beat me. They killed my child. They killed my wife. They did this. They did that. We're trying to tell you be ahead of the game. Wake up now so you can start fighting now. Everybody can do something. Well, there you have it. Uh, I also put an article for you to read on New Abolitionist Radio where it tells you how private prisons companies encourage mass incarceration. Companies like CCA, like the GEO Group, like G4S. So you can take your time and uh, take a look at those articles and get a better grasp of what it is we're dealing with here today in the United States of America in 2016. Brother Yannon or Scotty, do you guys have any stories you'd like to share for this week?
2: Man, it's always so much craziness going on. Scotty, did you have something you wanted to pull up? Cause I got a couple, a couple definitely did. Uh,
0: no, you, you know, go ahead, man. I mean, go ahead.
2: Okay. Um, one of the things that um, you know I think we could mention is the Freddie Gray, because uh, I don't think we've been on air since they uh, let you know let the latest cop, uh, cop off on all charges with that, um, and then also connected to uh, to him walking, they announced that they're uh, they're uh, I don't know if they charging her or if they what they call it sanctions or censure for um, the sister uh, Mosby uh Marilyn Mosby up there is the, is the attorney that was trying to prosecute these guys so you know this is like a roller coaster ride in my opinion that we own just of emotion in particular you know specific to the black community that is aware of what's going on um you know we just had a couple of months ago the P- Peter Liang situation um and Ken Thompson and the exonerations versus you know, saying that this guy shouldn't serve any time in jail and, and how that stretches the community, you know, to its seams. And like, we got to stay together, but, you know, obviously that's something that could tear us apart. Um, Just that gesture, you know, that's something that would cause us to push that guy out of that office where, you know, over 20 families that he was able to help. And I mean, I'll remind you, almost 30 years that D.A. Hines had been in office before, it was no exonerations. So. You know, you got two years. This guy gets in and gets over twenty people out, and got hundreds of cases that's still up for review. We've got to do what we can to keep that office intact. In the same way, with you know, with Sister Mosby, I mean, she put herself on the line, and her husband's politically active as well. I think he was running for mayor of Baltimore, wasn't he? I mean, Mm -hmm. these these people. This is my thing, and I know y'all kind of you know hit on it with the with the Jesse Williams thing or whatever earlier. Like I don't have no problem with what the brother said I mean that's all fine and good or whatever But the way that people are coming to the story With kind of a celebrity worship type Attitude And no conviction in their heart to get up And do a damn thing Based on what he said Like just because he said that Things are going to be better Just because he stood up there And was given that mic time And was given time by the sponsors To go ahead and say what he You know said and drum up all this attention For BET and get all these people Talking about it. I mean, just because that happened Doesn't mean anything is going to change So yeah, I'm glad he's done, had a history of doing whatever But these are the people in the trenches Like Mosby, her husband You know, Ken Thompson We already lost a brother uh, down in uh, Craig Watkins down in Dallas I mean, around the country We have black folks that are in positions of power That are trying to do something And putting their life on the line to do it And this girl is About to lose her job And they're going to try to sanction her And try to you know, ruin her career Based on trying to stand up for us So this is kind of my thing With like, yeah, I'm glad This dude says something, whatever But you know what I'd love to see is a groundswell Of black folks' attention Being focused on, no, you're not about to Put our sister through the fire like that No, vacate them charges immediately We're not standing for it Just like they went off and flipped out And tore Baltimore up when Freddie Gray, you know, died I mean, they, whatever you gotta do There should be outrage There should be media hype There should be vi- uh, viral video There should be memes going crazy There should be three or 400 comment string debates Going on about how this is wrong And this sister should not be sacrificed For standing up for what's right Because when you lose her It's just that much easier to put a token in her spot That ain't about to do a damn thing and how long do you think You're we'll gone. go without another black person that will stand
1: up and do something for us? Good news from Abolitionist Radio. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: Black Talk Radio Network is made possible in part with help from the Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina based nonprofit engaged in the production and distribution of independent digital black media. Find out more by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com or blacktalkmediaproject.org and look for the menu tab Crowdfunding Black Media. Black Talk Media Project, helping to provide you with new black media for the new millennium. you are tuned in to Black Talk radio new black media for the new millennium Welcome
1: back to the new abolitionist radio we're here on black Talk radio where we're talking about modern day slavery and human trafficking, the legal version. That is allowed through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and enforced by Congress using our police forces, jails, and prisons nationwide. It encompasses much more than just those people who are in cells, although that is millions, 2.5 million statically. It also includes the 13 million a year who go to prisons and the 8 million a year who are on probation and parole. This is a huge industry that encompasses. A couple of, uh, like, 20 million people, 24 million people every year. So it's something that we need to spend. We can't reform it. We must abolish it. You know, you were talking about how we let these people fall to the wolves once they come out against something like that. There's another story that I want to share, which was along the same lines out of Los Angeles, where uh, this brother, uh, Brown, Anthony Brown, who was an FBI informant working within the prison as a prisoner, uh, uncovering the activities of the prison guards and police there, now is being tortured and harassed and uh, uh, abused, and there's a huge conspiracy against him. Apparently... His uh, participation resulted in a number of officers going to prison. And the story we just put on New Abolitionist Radio gives you the details of it. I'll read you just a little bit of it where he says, or his attorney says, as soon as defendants became aware of plaintiff's cooperation with the FBI investigation, they conspired to retaliate against plaintiff for his participation as an informant and obstruct that investigation investigation. Intentionally hiding and or kidnapping plaintiff in the jail system under fictitious identities, covertly moving him about and throughout LASD's jail system, and unreasonably kept him in isolation without cause, the lawsuit states. Brown says he was in dire fear for his life that defendants would carry out a threat on his life or order slash allow other jail inmates slash gangs to kill the plaintiff because defendants told him no witness, no conviction. So this brother is facing uh, death right now because he uncovered what these police were doing. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry about that. At one point, he said uh, his cover was blown back in 2011 of August when the deputy found a cell phone that had been smuggled to Brown during an FBI sting designed to catch Deputy Gilbert Michael taking a bribe. So the FBI came in and gave the man a phone so he could record it all, and apparently he did, and these police paid for it, and now his fraternity brothers are literally kidnapping this man, changing his name and moving him from prison to jail to prison to jail under fictitious names so the FBI can't find him. That is some treasonous stuff right there. I mean, I don't even understand how uh, how this could be going on.
2: Yeah, you do. You understand. <laughs> you understand how it's going on. This is the year 1816 and these are plantations, and the slaves are moved around and abused, and everything that goes on on the plantation in 1816 is going on now in 2016. That's you understand it. I, I know what you're saying, yeah. but I mean it's just. I mean, you're talking about the sheriff the undersheriff, you're talking about high-level officials in the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department all the way around, you're talking about all these cops, I think you got six or seven cops convicted, but mm-hmm. if I remember correctly during that investigation when we reported on all this uh, excuse me, last year on the program there were d- dozens even hundreds of cops that were in, implicated in cases that were mentioned and so forth, and just whittling it down to six or seven Was you know just like a joke, so you know, this is pervasive abuse. I couldn't hear you. Can you all hear me? I can't hear anybody.
0: Yeah, I can hear you, Johanna. (laughs)
2: Okay, we we may have lost uh, Max, and I don't know, because I, I thought I heard him saying something, and then I, it faded out. But at any rate, um, an, the newest update on story, uh, the story is a story in the DailyBreeze.com talking about uh, the same thing, you know, saying a former second-in-command of Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department took the stand, uh, this was from April, um, you know, telling him that he didn't do anything. So he's actually going through the court aspect of it. And when you try to update these stories, and find out the latest news, you know, a lot of times they won't report. You you won't be able to find Google reports on things for months and months at a time, even though there are developments going on day by day. I mean, again, I hate to sound like I'm stretching things and making it conspiratorial or something or whatever, but, like, why do we know that the little baby that was in the gorilla thing did his daddy... We saw his entire arrest record the day after that. Why do we know that Walter Scott had been arrested you know 18 times for various whatever whatever why do we know all these victims of police murder their entire arrest record all the way back to their juvenile records get unsealed and it's just put on display for weeks and weeks and they just continue to criminalize these people but the damn second in command at the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department goes to court in April and there's no more news links following that and this is about to be July You know good and damn well it's a series of stories surrounding that but this is how pervasive it is people they're protecting the slave system I I don't know man I, I I hate to always sound like I'm at a loss for words like when I just get so exasperated with stuff but it just starts with people listening and caring and just talk about it don't just listen to us, talk about it, post about it You're on social media all day, you're texting back and forth all day you, You're talking to people and telling whatever, gossiping and Just make yourself a person where all you do is talk about this Drive people crazy Maybe that'll start turning the tide and having it a national discussion Because it's not going to stop Los Angeles is a major city in this country California is one of the biggest economies in the, on the planet and it's run by slavery. I mean, I don't know how to make people see that 1 plus 1 is going to keep on being 2.
1: Cognitive dissonance. It's hard to get past. You just don't want to believe. It. When we say to you, slavery never ended, in your mind you're thinking we're joking. Like we're just... Exaggerating Because you're not familiar with anything that's going on Around you We're here to try to make you familiar So you can come to that conclusion like we did Like many many others have come to That this is slavery There's a name for it And as long as we keep calling it something else We can't possibly address it Because we don't even know what their freaking problem is Well We got about 20 minutes left And we got two segments I think we should move on to it uh, the first one is going to be our rider of the 21st century underground railroad. And we're going to take it right back to Baltimore again. And, uh, sister Mosby who has something to do with this particular case, uh, out of Baltimore, where a brother that spent 18 years convicted for 1998 stabbing of a 16 year old girl. So uh, our, our rider of the 21st century underground railroad this week is Malcolm Jabbar Bryant. Uh, he was, as I said, a man who's been in prison for about 18 years after he was convicted of the stabbing death of a 16-year-old girl. He was released uh, May uh, last month uh, after Lucas showed that DNA on the victim's T-shirt did not match his. Um, November 20th, 1998, uh, Bryant was arrested a few weeks after Bullock was kid- killed. Police said the girl was walking with a best friend when a man grabbed her, demanded money, and pulled her into a vacant lot before stabbing her. Police had said robbery was the motive. Tony's friend, the only eyewitness, picked Bryant out of a photo lineup, an array that the Baltimore Police Department no longer uses. As a, at a news conference Wednesday, or Wednesday of May, Marilyn Mosby said it was dark and rainy. The night bullet was killed, and the witness likely only had three or four seconds to glance at the attacker. In light of the new DNA tests, attorneys for Bryant asked for a new trial. With no objection from prosecutors, a Baltimore Circuit Court judge granted the motion. When the judge did that, prosecutors dropped all charges. Bryant walked silently out of the courtroom, still handcuffed and shackled, and visibly overcome by emotion. His mother, Annie Bryant, shouted "Hallelujah!" from the gallery. 18 years, she said, outside the courtroom. It was a horror. And we hear a new abolitionist radio welcome you to freedom, Brother Brian. Salute. Salute. Man, 18 years for a crime you did not commit. And we read these every week, every single week, another man. And we, we can't keep up. We're only doing one a week. If we wanted to do five a week, we could.
2: Yes, we could, and we've got to become aware and wise and skilled and well thought out and planned out and serious about promoting and protecting key pieces to the puzzle who will continue this work. People, we're in a situation where we can establish an elaborate underground network Underground Railroad. That's what we call this series that. We're not in a situation where we have to hide like the show Underground is showing you graphically folks running and hiding and have to have these secret alliances and building all kind of secret trap doors and caves and pathways and hiding and running for their life and all. We don't even have to do that. We can use the law we can use the, the infinite seemingly amount of, of science and technology and, and case history and just the momentum that's already building up that the society itself is starting to accept more than I've ever known in any time in the history of this country with, with regard to the to, uh, prison system. People are accepting that a lot of folks are locked up wrongfully. People are accepting that. You're hearing people like looking at these exonerations like, damn, how many people really are in there? All it takes is for us to get up and put people in place who will fight this kind of fight. We got the ability.
1: I mean, why not use it? Amen to that. And get more of these RICO charges going against the system. Apparently, those RICO charges are doing some serious damage. You know, we asked for that about two years ago. and Since then, we've seen it happen again and again. So if you're able to pull RICO charges out of a hat on these corporations and systems, do something. Indeed. Well, our next segment uh, Final segment for the evening outside of our final comments Will be our abolitionist Profile again every week We do an abolitionist profile And I'm kind of proud of it uh, That we've shown that the abolitionist movement Was not a white populated White run movement That it was in fact black led And black run With people doing everything that they claimed The white people were doing black. Mm-hmm. So we have reported on the past several years, week after week, of pretty much exclusively black abolitionists who were major players in the abolitionist movement. Hmm. Brother Johanna, you want to handle our uh, this week's abolitionist profile?
2: Sure, I'd be happy to. It's a pleasure, Scotty. We got music tonight. I'm ready. abolitionist in profile is mary ellen pleasant born 1814 died 1904 mary ellen pleasant was born on august 19 1814 in virginia and spent her early years in nantucket she worked as a bond servant to the hussey family an abolitionist family she later married james smith a wealthy former plantation owner and an abolitionist mary ellen and james worked on the underground railroad After Smith's death four years later, Mary Ellen continued her work as a conductor on the Underground Railroad. Mary Ellen married John James Pleasant around 1848. To avoid trouble with slavers for their abolitionist work, the couple moved to San Francisco in 1852. Mrs. Pleasant established several restaurants for California miners, the first named the Case and Heiser. With the help of Clerk Thomas Bell, Mrs. Pleasant amassed a fortune by 1875 through her investments in various businesses by 1875. She also helped to establish the Bank of California. Pleasant earned her title as the mother of California's early civil rights movement, establishing the local Underground Railroad. She financially supported John Brown from 1857 to 1859. In the 1860s and 1870s, Mrs. Pleasant brought several civil rights lawsuits in California, especially against the trolley companies, most of which she won. During the 1880s, a smear campaign by the widow of Thomas Bell damaged Mrs. Pleasant's reputation. Local newspapers began to taunt her with the pejorative title Mammy, which she reportedly hated. She never recovered her prestige from this campaign. Mary Ellen Pleasant died on January 4, 1904, and New Abolitionist Radio salutes you, Sister Mary Ellen Pleasant. Salute.
1: By putting your money where your mouth is, uh, she was financier behind John Brown. So all the weaponry he had, and all the you know travel expenses, and you know paying people and stuff—that was her money. (laughs) Awesome.
2: You gotta love it, man. Whenever we read these stories and report on these stories, I mean, of course, every single person that did whatever they could, you know, rest in power. God bless their soul. I mean, it just yes, it's the most powerful thing to know. But I do love the ones as well where we talk about folks that was getting money in a time like that, you know, getting money in a time like that and using it for the cause. Not, I mean, she was bringing court cases. She was, she was working, man. I mean, that, to me, this is the way that that I feel like you know when somebody's real about what they're saying. I'm not, I'm not all about. Uh, you know, the the public getting all hyped about whatever, these things, these media offerings that we keep getting, we keep getting fooled by somebody saying something, somebody whatever, whatever. How come I don't hear about court cases you bring year in, year out, just don't give a damn, putting every dollar you got into changing the law, changing these situations, helping to support these some kind of way, supporting these brothers and sisters, this district attorneys and prosecutors, and this working to help i mean like again, I mean, I know we got to wrap up, but I mean again, I talk about Ken Thompson. I told you that situation. his brother, when he ran, he had like four thousand dollars he got from a uh Curtis martin, a from former n f l player uh for the New York Jets, other than that, he didn't have any black contributors on record, and he st- he had to go into his personal fortune that he made you know in twenty some years practicing law privately. To help his campaign keep going, and who knows who else he really had to get money from behind closed doors? That, to a certain extent, he got to carry out their political plans because they gave him the money to be in the race, so he could even win. People, it's, this is a this is a real chess game here. You can't sit on the sidelines and and drink a beer and smoke a joint and just kind of hang out and act like I'm I'm gonna watch all the world's a stage and then think getting worked up over emotionalism is going to make a change to the death and destruction and genocide of your own self. You're going to have to be a Mary Ellen Pleasant. You're going to have to work on ways to generate revenue and then pour that back into the systems that destroy the system that's that's persecuting you. There's no other way. It's not going to magically happen. So I guess that's kind of my final comment. I just I praise this. She did the work. She put in the work, went to court, fought with the people, put the money. I mean, for her to know who John Brown was, and she was in California for all those years. They went in 1852. She She found out about John Brown in 1857 and sent him some bread. Like, back in them days, it wasn't like she could just look online and just find out he was there. She didn't, I mean, how does she know? People knew she was a part of the struggle still and kept in contact with her over thousands of miles. That's big. We won't talk to each other at the same workplace. We won't talk to each other in the same house about abolitionism. So I just, good for this, sister.
1: Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, I, I, we got about 10 minutes left in the program uh, do we have any callers on the line by your chance Scotty Reed and if you're on the line just
0: press star 6 and 1 if you'd like to make a con- comment or ask a question no we don't have any calls at this time
1: alright then uh, I guess
0: we can close up with your, uh,
1: our, you and I my final statement then uh, anything you want to say towards the end of this program
0: in, um, in slavery I'll just keep it simple <laughs> you said it's, it's slavery I'm going
1: to keep it simple Alright all right. All right. Um, man Well I can say a lot of things Brothers And uh, As I've said before I try to stay focused So many things Are happening So often And so much And you can get lost In all the details For me I keep a constant understanding in my mind that what I'm dealing with is a huge system and the system is called slavery and it encompasses many of the aspects and many of the circumstances that we deal with every day from racism in the courts to police extrajudicial killings to corruption in the uh, courts and police to prosecutors who use the uh, plea bargains 95% of the time to send people away these are all components in a system called slavery. And for some reason, it's so hard for many of our people to accept that that's what it is. It's, if you accept it, it seems like you have to deal with the true reality of that extent of betrayal. And that can be painful. I understand that. It was painful for me. It was painful, I guess, for Scotty when you realized it. Uh, was, it was it a painful circumstance for you to realize just the depths of betrayal that you had faced all your life? Say that again. What's the question? When you first found out that slavery had never ended, uh, as you said before when you read the 13th Amendment, did you feel a sense of
0: betrayal from
1: uh, your government and the
0: people around you? No, because I was pretty much um, emancipated mentally from this government anyway, so... It it just um just put some more things. It just put what I was looking at in the better context. All these killings by police, all these, you know, what people call mass incarceration. It just brought it into true context when I read it. I wasn't shocked or anything or angry because I knew they was a bunch of liars anyway. So it ain't like I believed. I mean, at that point in my life, we're talking about just three years ago, four years ago. So. At that point in my life, I already knew how corrupt they were. I just hadn't read the, you know, the uh, language of the Thirteenth Amendment and say, ah, you know, had that aha moment. See, I knew you were a bunch of liars in, to begin with. So that's how the effect it had on me. Indeed,
1: I, I know for me it was a painful thing. It, I went through all five stages of. Uh, of The five stages of grief. (laughs) And for me, when I finally got to the acceptance part, I added a sixth stage, which is action. And I decided I was going to do something about it. I didn't know what I could do, but I did know I had a talent, and I was able to communicate with people, and I was an artist, and I could use what I had, and I've been doing that ever since. And I challenge everybody listening today to do the same thing. Whatever your talent may be, apply it. Use it. Try to make a difference just using the tools that have been given to you. You may not have much, or you may be like our abolitionists in profile and be the co-founder of the California Bank. Either way, help to make a difference to end slavery in the United States of America and abroad. I believe that if we end slavery, that will be the domino effect that will change everything for us better more. And I don't expect it to happen easily. I expect the people who uh, survive off of slavery to fight back. Uh, even to the point of a possible Civil war It's what happened the last time we came to this conclusion And decided we needed to stop it But in the meantime We got a few minutes extra And I'm just going to close it and let Scotty play some music Or something by saying What I always say every week Keep in mind this fact Abolition abolition, Where you end slavery Is a reason for a revolution So we can finally know some peace Peace
2: Rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up,
3: rise
1: up, rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up, up Let your wise rise up See the signs of the times If it's time, rise rise up Rise up When death and hell dwell among all God's people When those we chose and trusted Have become completely corrupted And inherently evil When the feast that feeds you Starves our father's children When snuff porn and pedo forms Begin
2: to get top billing Rise up